Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now let's give you something to chew on. Hey, we're back for another episode. What's up, Kevin from Montana today? I am. I'm in beautiful Missoula, Montana today. Teresa, I just finished speaking to a live in-person crowd at the Montana Dental Association meeting. It was fantastic. Live in-person. Did you breathe on anyone? I did. I breathed heavily, but you know what? Here's the thing. They breathed back. So (laughs) here's the other thing. There's an exhibit hall complete with the plastic in between the booths. Really? Masks talking to each other. I mean, I nearly wept tears of joy going, oh my God. Wearing masks? Oh yeah, absolutely. But people talking to each other, looking at instruments? Picking up instruments. I know. There was a lot of tactileness going on. I'm just saying. All right. So tell me. A food setup, though, because last time I went to a live event down in Florida for Adom, they had a guy serving us because we couldn't touch the food. So I'm going to tell you this. What I saw was full-on buffet. Ooh. Open? Open. Sneeze guard? No. No sneeze guards. No. It was fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. People here in Montana have been awesome and and one of the dental assistants told me in the course, they've been very much ahead of the rest of the country, at least from what they can see as far as opening up and saying, you know what, we're pushing ahead. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. It was kind of cool to see, honestly. Yeah, I was going to say good for you because I know you've been wondering about the uh, state of the exhibit floor and how that's going to be. So it sounds like we can still be pretty social out there. I talked to a couple of exhibitors that said they were very happy to be back. I can tell you they structured you know, scheduled breaks in between our courses and during our courses and people actually went out and talked to each other. I mean, people were kind of needing that interaction. You could feel on both sides of the chair. So it was cool. Yeah, I think people are definitely hungry to get back in front of each other. This has been a long time, right? A long break from the road. That has. You know who hasn't taken a break, though, this whole time is the Washington State Legislature. Oh, (laughs) I know you're so excited when I bring you legislative news. Our first story today. Are you ready for it? I am so excited to hear about the legislature. Bring it on. (laughs) Washington State, the governor passed an order that dental insurers, actually medical health insurance, were supposed to reimburse for PPE. And it's about $650, I think, a patient is what I read per visit. So say $650 a patient. It helps. It's not the best, but it helps. So that was going to be something that they could bill for. So dental offices got really excited about this. Then, of course, they were not excited about it because Delta Dental, which, of course, is the big cheese up there. Actually, that's not. Which one's the cheese state? Oh, it's Wisconsin. I don't even know what Washington state would be known for, except for Starbucks. It'd be the big salmon. Delta Dental is the big salmon up there. And they said that since they are not a state-regulated entity that they are not obliged to comply with those rules. Oh. The biggest dental insurer is not beholden to the 650 per visit per patient PPE charge. I imagine that there's some discussion going on, but that's pretty disappointing because I know some offices have noticed that of course fees for Delta aren't going up. Their fees certainly went up. The 650 probably covers mask and gloves for that appointment only, not the other stuff, not the barrier, the cleaning and all of that. It's a little 
a little disappointing. So what do you do if you're a dental practice? Do you just sit there and wait for all this to shake out? Or is there anything that dental practices can do? PPE payments have slowed down. This almost felt like it was like the cherry on top. But it was a cruel surprise because we were told this and then, oh, no, 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 but not us. That's kind of the bad part. It's almost like you shouldn't have said anything at all. It got a lot of offices' hopes up. The cherry had a worm in it is what you're telling Bad cherry. Just one big pit. Oh, there you go. As far as your question, you know, what, what do dental offices do? They got to keep shopping around for lower, lower prices for their disposables, which honestly, I hate even giving that advice because I know how bad it is out there. Boxes of gloves and masks. I mean, they're just, they're through the roof. I don't think that's changing anytime soon. You've heard in the, the national news that supply chain all over has been affected and that greatly infects, infects, <laughs> here we go with coronas, coronavirus greatly affects how offices are able to place orders and, and receive orders. I really don't have another answer for you other than just keep an eye on it and join a buying club that maybe has some leverage. Yeah. Work with your dental supplier. I hate to say it, but dental suppliers, the big ones, they're going to take care of their people. Sure. I know so many dental practices were thinking there's light at the end of the tunnel with this and everything else. And obviously it doesn't sound like that's the case. A lot of these dental practices, like here at the Montana Dental Meeting that I spoke to earlier today, they were all like, well, the mask mandate's getting ready to be lifted, and so we feel like our patients are really going to be more free and not as worried about things. There's all this hope that comes out, but then it feels like that's certainly a little bit of a step back on the business side of things. I think this has been an eye-opening thing as far as how we keep ourselves safe in practice. But it's also been a real eye-opener, I think, that dentists who thought they had a good relationship with their supplier have realized that there was more that they could have done ahead of time to build that relationship, too. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that from both the dentist and the supplier side of things, is how surprised that a lot of dental practices were, thinking they were among the cream of the crop, and then they get the reality check that, no, really, you split your order between three or four different dealers, and... Now those three or four different dealers all look at you as a very small fish in a big pond. Absolutely. They have all the metrics on who their bigger sure. clients are. But say you even were a big fish. What happens if your rep that you've known for years all of a sudden gets laid off? We saw plenty of that. We did. Even the relationship part of it, sometimes beyond your control. Yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up too is that California is now passing or seeking to pass the same type of bill. We're looking at possibly California having it, but the verbiage is the same. It's state regulated, which would leave out a lot of the big insurers, Delta Dental of California, from having this take place. When I say state regulated, just to give the people who are listening who may not understand this, some plans don't have to play by state rules because they're what's called self-insured. And that's typically really big employers. It's about half and half of how many plans are self-insured versus fully insured. Really, any kind of state law that's passed dentist, you should know that if it's a state regulated carrier, most of the time it doesn't affect the big ones that you're concerned with. So that's why like these non-covered services laws, sometimes they don't have any teeth in them. So California passing a state regulated law, there's really nothing they can do to pass a law that regulates on a federal level, which is what the, the self-insured plans operate at. So really they're doing the best that they can, but the big carriers are already one step ahead, unfortunately, and that they'll be exempt from these state regulations. And it feels like they're always one step ahead. They are, no doubt. 
that's part of the frustration that there is so often that, you know, you think that these are companies that are there to help. And so often they are companies that are there to make a profit, just like every other company. They have shareholders, they have stakeholders, they have to make a profit. And many of the big ones, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the carriers last year, the really big carriers had a surplus of cash. United Healthcare, I think, came back with a 44% increase for the period last year, same period for last year. And uh, that is, that's the biggest increase they've ever had. I be, It's in the 40s. I believe it's 44. And I'll have to cite that too, along with these two articles about the regulations. They have a lot of cash. So yeah, it would be nice if, you know, they could say, well, look, this is a state regulated, but we'll go ahead and do this. But fiscally, as a CEO of a company, I don't know if I could allow that because the duty is to the shareholders. Absolutely. That's the biggest issue is that when the duty to that comes before the duty to those that are further down the pike, that's an issue. But it's also American. So, hey. Yep, this is the country. I know this isn't on the agenda, but can we just talk real quick about supply chain? Of course. That's something that I, I think is important to know that there's lots of shortages on lots of stuff. Like, for example, computers. Yeah. If you want to buy a laptop, you're going to pay any computer. You're going to pay a premium because chips are in short supply. I know that some offices that are looking to have renovations or they're rebuilding, that's slow, slow going. If you need to order something, I don't think you should do that just in time ordering that we're used to. I think you really need to take a look at your supplies and make sure you're not left behind. One of the big commercials I hear all the time in Colorado is a local dealer talking about how there are shortages out there. But they're willing to work with you, you know, and, and really make it sound like they're going to go to bat for you. But yeah, they're up front saying there are clients' uh, demands right now out there that are exceeding what's available. Cars too. That's true. New car sales, they're not flying off the shelf. But if you want to sell your old car back to them and it's pretty new, it has computer chip in it, they will buy it at a good premium. They're looking for that where it's not the most expensive chip that's out there. It's still salvageable if they need to fix it. But right now, new car sales are not what's hot. It's the, the newish car sales. And that's what's impacting rental cars around the country. Rental car prices are insane right now because so I've many, heard. Yeah. You know, so many of these have sold their cars back. You know, they were just sitting around during COVID when nobody was traveling. So they sold their cars back. And as you said, people are very hungry for those. And now the travel's starting again. It's seventy, eighty, a hundred dollars a day. Wow. And that's in beautiful locales like Tulsa. And I heard uh, earlier in the week, I think it was in Maui. Uh, it wasn't in Honolulu, but it was in one of the other airports in, in Hawaii. It was $238 a day. For a rental? For a rental car. Holy cow. Yeah, because there is no inventory. It's cheaper to rent a horse <laughs> right around the island. You don't need no no duty bag for that, right? There's no There's no pickup law for a horse, right? We can just do whatever. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. From insurance companies to horse duty, that is par for the course. See, look at us now. Oh, can I throw one other thing in? Of course. We talked a little bit about thyroid issues. Oh, yeah. And I had a, a very nice uh, email that came in, and she said, I think you got something to it. Really? So I'm going to reach out to her. I'm going to talk to her. But uh, I heard from that one person, and I had a, a chat from two friends of mine who are, you know, I've known them, and we've talked about this before. They're like, I'm telling you. Yeah, if you've got thyroid issues and you've been in the dental field for a long time, my conspiracy theory is something's up. I like it. 
Play some X-Files music right there. I'm just telling That's you. That's right. My thyroid. You've heard of QAnon. I'm TAnon. I want to know what the conspiracy is. <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. So that's my last interruption, Kevin. Sorry about all that. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm usually the one taking us down rabbit holes. So it's good to have <laughs> it over to you today. It's fantastic. What you got today? Well, so let's stick up in the beautiful Pacific Northwest with our news. You know, you talked about Washington State. I'm going to stick in that fine, fine state up there as well. And I'm going to tell you about a crime, Teresa. Dare I say a salacious crime? Dare I say that? <gasps> I know. Salmon stealing? Uh, well, you know what? Salmon stealing, Starbucks stealing. I'm trying to think if there's another S I could throw in there. but Space I'm not... needle. Ooh, space needle stealing. <laughs> I would say supersonic stealing for those almost City thunder, but we won't get into that. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about COVID vaccines in the dental practice, Teresa Dunn. Let's talk about a man who decided that he needed to break into a dental practice and not just steal the vaccine. No, he wanted the vials that the vaccine goes in. Even empty vials? Empty vials. Mm. See, that's the interesting part. He didn't steal the actual vaccine. He stole empty vials. Not only did the 30-year-old male suspect allegedly, of course, break into this practice and steal 100 COVID-19 vaccine vials, But 100 is also a number to remember because he stole $100,000 worth of medical equipment. In addition. In addition. I'm thinking he's got the vials stuffed in his pockets, and then he's just grabbing whatever he can as well. So $100,000 worth of medical equipment. Now, here's the beauty of it. You ready for this? Sure. We don't know what that $100,000 of medical equipment was. Oh, I hear some game music. We've got to guess. The empty vials, though, I wonder if dude is going to fill them up because it's probably the little stoppers, right? He's going to fill it up with some saline and that's going to be a sale of a fake vaccine. It's very possible. Of course, allegedly. That is what my criminal mind would do. I would think so. I mean, Tianon is thinking that that's where it's heading. (laughs) (laughs) That's the (laughs) Vianon theory there. But seriously, why would you want empty vials? I mean, it's not like they're not good for playing chess. They're not good for, you know, playing marbles or anything like that. You're going to fill those puppies up and you're going to sell a fake vaccine on. I'm sure there's a black market for vaccines. I'm sure there is. And and like you said, I'm sure if you could just sell it and then disappear into the night, it doesn't matter what you put into this vaccine. This is true. Hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the $100,000 of medical supplies. Did he like steal the Nomad portable x-ray and like just put it under and, and walk out? That's not a hundred thousand. What could be a hundred thousand that you could carry out? It's gotta be multiple things. Does he have a, an accomplice? Well, I believe he is by himself because it only mentions the 30 year old male suspect. He has not been publicly identified. Oh, you can throw all those vials in a backpack. So that leaves two hands that you can carry. CBCT machine, way too big. Laser? Are you pushing a laser down the sidewalk? You might be pushing a laser. I mean, what's the point of stealing the laser if you don't take the laser cart along with it? What if he's going to like set up the vials and shoot the laser through them and sound <laughs> after evil to think <laughs> what's going on? You know, I will always entertain a Doctor Evil plot. <laughs> <laughs> what else could it be? A implant machine? Maybe he took a bunch of implants, but you have to be in the industry to know what the value is of all of those. My first thought went to that the $100,000 is multiple. Like if you're 
putting all the cassettes with the instruments in there. Now that's a very small amount, but then are you doing that with many, many things? And here's the only reason why I think that, because the same gentleman, allegedly, of course, broke into a nearby hair salon and made off with $50,000 worth of everything from product to styling tools to even towels. Towels is just, what a dumb burglar. You can- <laughs> That's so stupid. Towels are everywhere. Check into a hotel for a night and take all their towels. It's easier. <laughs> what if he's setting up the little vials, like with denture teeth and a weave, and he's putting that like <laughs> on Tinder? I mean, you know, we don't know. We don't. <laughs> Let's go back to the dental office. My guess is lasers, microscope. Microscopes are very expensive. Is there a black market for microscopes? Can you haul one of those around? Yeah, they're pretty heavy. X-ray sensors. What about your lead aprons? Well, that's heavy. That's what I'm thinking. He could secure that around the neck and then that leaves his hands free. I don't know. That's interesting. So we have to find out like what this dude stole. So maybe he's not dental specific because he's hitting just retail areas. Yeah, that's the thing. The connection's got to be there somehow, but he's definitely uh, grabbing lots of valuable items. We will keep up on this story because I want to know, like you, what's that $100,000? So, Kevin, I'm hearing that you have like $150 million laying around. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could figure out something to do with it because, gosh, it's just sitting here collecting dust. I just don't understand. Why haven't I gotten an invitation to like a cruise with you and Dana or something like that? You didn't get that yet? <laughs> no. <that's laughs> no. <so> weird. <laughs> Maybe you could buy a cruise ship. I'll go pick you up. How about that? I have a suggestion for you, though. Oh, brilliant. If you were to spend your $150 million, yes, you could spend it on a dental school. Oh, I like it. What would you think of Henry Dental School? As long as there's like a very thought-provoking statue out front, absolutely. I'd be down for that. <laughs> a thought-provoking statue. <laughs> It'll be like a person in a shrug, like, what am I doing here? What is this? Why? <laughs> Why do I have 300000 in loans? That's really what the, the thing is going to be. So the reason I ask, Kevin is that there is going to be a new dental school in North Carolina. Oh, nice. There you go. In High Point, North Carolina, the big university there is High Point University. They are going to open a school of dental medicine and oral health. Exciting. That is. I believe there's one going in El Paso. I believe there's one going in Joplin, Missouri. The four states area there. So a lot of new schools are being opened up. I had no idea that there was one going on in uh, Joplin. That's interesting. 2023 is when they're expecting to open up and they are going to have, it looks like a capacity of 180 new students in that fall 2023 class. Now, I I imagine they have not uh, put that out there, but that is what they're planning for. And the area is going to get about 300 new jobs to support that, including, I'm guessing, Professor. Marianne and all these others. <laughs> the coconuts, absolutely. Uh, Gilligan's Island reference for you old folks <laughs> out there like us. So there's a, a Dr. Scott DeRossi has is, is been named as the dean of the School of Dental Medicine and Oral Health. And he was actually over at North Carolina, Chapel Hill, at their School of Dentistry. So this is somebody that knows what they're doing and is going to lead the charge. This is pretty exciting stuff. North Carolina is my home state. I mean, other than Virginia, my whole family is in North Carolina. This is exciting for the state. Maybe HPU needs a big dose of TD. You know what I'm saying? That's true. They need some some business schooling. That's what they need. Absolutely. 
like. I am happy to provide. If this is going to help me like write off my vacation trips to my family in North Carolina, I'll be happy to do it. No, I'm good. But what I am a little disappointed in, and I don't know if it's on the roadmap. I mean, they say they're going to have additional healthcare programs, but I was really hoping to see a hygiene program there. And even an assisting program would be great. Yeah, we know what's been going on as far as assisting programs around the country. And, you know, one of the things that that was discussed a lot today in my course here in Montana was on-the-job trained assistants versus those who went to school to be assistants. And it was a very interesting discussion between one assistant who was on the job trained and one who was uh, in school and they were discussing the pros and cons. And I was just kind of a fly on the wall listening to this. Well, I imagine it went a little bit like, I'm better. No, I'm better. Yeah. And (laughs) then I I just put out the popcorn. I said, let's watch. You know who else has that argument? Hygienist. No. Two-year hygienist versus four-year hygienist. That's an age-old battle, right? It is. There's some good battles in the in the dental field. You know, if you're really thinking about it, you could do like a March Madness. Not that you can say that because the NCAA will come after you. But if you were doing a mayhem you know, or something like that, it'd be an interesting uh, seating. I've also been in front of these arguments with assistants, you know, trained versus on the job. Oh, yeah. Who won in that one? Not the overall topic, who wins, but in that argument, who won the argument? Who would you choose? Because I, I think they, they decided to shake hands and call it off. Because one said, well, I didn't invest the money, and I knew exactly what my doctor wanted. Mm-hmm. While the other said, it was worth it to invest the money, because then I could pick which doctor I wanted to work for. Two very compelling arguments. Exactly. So it, it was quite interesting. Neither one changed the other's mind. Let's just put it that way. The one thing about the on-the-job dental assistant that was there, I will say she's lucky. I'm assuming it's a she. I'm assuming she landed in an office where the doctor was willing to train, obviously sending her to CE. The problem with on-the-job training that I've noticed, bad on-the-job training, is that they get it. There's no structure. The dentist really isn't training them how to be an assistant. They're training them how to hand instruments. Yes. Two very different things. Knowing tooth anatomy, morphology, why dental radiographs are done this way, the expanded functions and all of that, there's a reason why they do get higher pay. And honestly, in this day and age, though, they're so uncommon. Dental assistants are rare. I think any of them are going to get hired. So I think that's why on the job is getting bigger because they can't wait to send somebody to dental assisting school. They need someone today. The only caveat I I ever get with on-the-job training, and both have their merits, both deserve to be recognized for the work they put into it. But I have heard the story firsthand of a dental assistant who was on the job trained. The dentist retired, a new dentist came in, and all of a sudden she realized that all she knew was what the old dentist had told her. And she realized that she had a lot to catch up on despite being in that practice for eight or nine years. So it it was very interesting to hear her talk about having to relearn things because, again, this is what that dentist wanted rather than having that knowledge as a foundation to start things off. Absolutely. There's base knowledge like infection control Mm -hmm. and, you know, tips to handle patients. Those are all as part of most dental assisting schools. But I will say this, and I think I may upset some people, but there are some dental assisting schools that the price tag is so high and cost prohibitive that it really makes no sense to pay that much money to be a dental assistant when you really could get a job, get on the job training 
And what I hear from a lot of people that have been trained on the job is that if I need to learn something, I will learn it. Yeah. You know, they'll be told what to learn. So I understand both sides of it. I was on the job. I didn't plan on being an assistant. So that's why I was on the job. I was more of a filler. Honestly, you've heard me say many times, I'm a terrible assistant. If I were going to be an assistant for my life, I should have gone to dental assisting school. That is something though, that I think a lot of people don't realize the path because it takes a long time, right? Like sometimes it's it's three years, two years, depending on what, what school you land in. Some of them don't even give certification. They think that they're giving certification and they're not getting certification. That's the bad part. That's the biggest thing I would say is make sure that the school you're going to is actually worth the resources you're going to put into it. Because yeah, you and I both heard horror stories about things that people thought they were getting, but they were not. But at that point, it was too late. So yeah, it's a lot of money too. I'm not talking like maybe four or five thousand. I'm talking. I know one dental dental assistant school is like twenty five thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. that's ridiculous. I mean, I understand investing in your education, but it's not like dental assistants are getting forty dollars an hour or fifty dollars an hour. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there are only a couple of states where I'd say I do that that I could see the cost being worth it, but it's a very small, small number. Well, it's the states that have expanded functions and pay more, like the DA2 in Virginia. There's pros and cons to both. That's interesting that you got in there. Did you have to put on like some gear because you thought the fur was going to fly? No, I said, hey, six feet apart, ladies. (laughs) Last one, six feet apart. Here we go. What was the reaction of the other assistants in the room? Did you see people like backing them up? No, this was actually... Whenever we were just having chats afterward. Oh, got it. The on the job trained assistant came up to ask me a question. Another assistant who was in line heard that she was on the job trained, and that's how the conversation started. Maybe in North Carolina, High Point, that's on the roadmap. Hopefully, we see a dental assisting school. More of them pop up. And then dental hygiene, though, we, we need more dental hygienists out there just because, you know, there's lots of teeth to be cleaned for crying out loud. And we can always use more dental hygienists. And not through the black market dental school, as we discussed. Yes, please do not buy your hygienists off of eBay. That would be bad. Guido's no hygiene school. Don't do that. (laughs) The reason that you said Nito is because Nito Cobain is the president of High Point, president and founder of High Point University. And we've both seen him speak at uh, the Academy of Dental Management Consultant meeting. And Nito, I got to say just one thing, I'll, I'll link it, but Nito is a sharp dresser. He is a sharp dressed man. I mean, if people could see this podcast being recorded, they'd see I look impeccably dressed. They could see that, obviously. Amazing. I saw your cufflinks gleaming. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I think you're wearing an Avenger shirt, so that Avenger shirt goes right with your cufflinks. My t-shirt matches my jeans. Hello. <laughs> I don't know if Nito Cobain has ever worn a pair of jeans in his life. That man, I think, was born in a three-piece onesie. Let's say that. What a slick dude. Okay, we went from legislation, theft, and now rebirth. Wow. Look at that. Wow, I almost feel good about myself. Nice job. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Dear listeners, actually, Kevin, do you have any last parting comments? (laughs) No, I was just going to say, you go, girl. I'm good. (laughs) I think everybody's already shut off this off anyway. All right, for our two listeners that are paying attention. We very much appreciate that you spend your time with us. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. And don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. 
Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.